we are going to do a three-part series here, and it's called Perfect Peace, Perfect Peace, a series the Lord laid on my heart about three or four weeks ago, and so, you know, when you talk about the subject of peace, peace is something that everyone longs for. Wouldn't you believe that? Do you long to have peace? Now, when you start to define what peace is, what is the typical definition of peace when you think of it? Most people would define peace as being the absence of turmoil or the absence of drama. How many parents would love the absence of drama in your home? Absence of drama. We have lots of drama in our home with four children. It is continual, seems to me, and my wife seems to be continual drama, right? So for us, the definition of peace would be tranquility, obedient children, who, 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 who pay attention and listen and obey the first time. How many of your kids obey the first time? Really? Really? You know liars. Liars need to repent. <laughs> or, what are you doing? Because <laughs> like, my kids don't obey the first time, Typically. Takes a few times. I believe that they're partially deaf. They have they 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 can hear lots of other things that they desire to hear. But there is a certain frequency that kids' ears work with when it comes to their parents' voice that they just uh, they can tune it out. And I know this because I did it when I was growing up. And my mom right here can attest to that reality. But that's the typical definition of peace. It's a lack of trouble. The lack of of drama. No pain. We want peace. We want everything to be calm. Or we don't want war. Right? We, do, we don't want war. We don't want there to be war around the world. But how many of you know the history of our country is, and the history of our world is a history of war? And there will always be wars and rumors of war. And for, for the world, for the world, those who don't know the Lord, those that, that are not in relationship with Christ, they're looking for world peace. You got Donald Trump trying to to have a, a summit with the North Korean leader and they're after peace. He's after peace. He's trying to get the North Korean country to, to, to kind of fall under some restrictions. And I just want, you know, if I could have a conversation with Mr. With Mr. President Trump, I would tell him that's never going to happen. He's not going to give up his right to defend his country. And, and every country is, is going to take that position because they want to protect their own, protect their people. And, and as, a re, as a result of that, war will always be a reality in this world. But people are after peace. We want peace. We want peace. And you know, before Jesus left the earth, before he was crucified, before he was crucified on the cross and he res- and was resurrected and, and ascended to heaven, he's with his disciples in an upper room and he begins to talk to them. And this is Passion Week and he's communicating to them and telling them, the truth about what was about to take place in his life. And they have the understanding, their belief about Jesus is that he is going to be an earthly king. He's going to bring freedom to the Jewish people and they're going to have peace. They're going to have peace. They're not going to have to live under the oppression of Roman tyranny and they're going to finally be at peace. And that was their view of peace, was an earthly peace. And so Jesus starts telling them that he's going to be killed. He must suffer and he must die. And for them... They're thinking, this can't be so. Can't be true. Jesus, this is not what you should do. And even Peter rebuked Jesus and said, far be it from you. You can't suffer and die. And what did Jesus tell Peter? Get behind me, Satan. 
For you're only thinking in earthly terms. And so he has his disciples in this upper room. And he's giving giving them his last, one of his final speeches and encouragements to them. And this is what he says. This is the hub of this three-part series. John 14, 27. He's telling them that he's leaving. But then he says this. Peace, I leave with you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, my peace I give to you. So Jesus is saying he's leaving peace, but then he hones it in and he says that it's his peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so Jesus is being very specific here and he's doing something and he's saying that I'm leaving, I'm going away, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, but I'm not leaving you alone. And and he gives the promise of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is going to come and the Holy Spirit's going to be a comforter. The Holy Spirit's going to remind his disciples of everything that Jesus taught them. And then he says, but I'm giving you my peace. I am giving you my peace A peace that can only come from me. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to leave it for you. And then he does this and then he compares. He compares and he says, the peace that I'm giving is a different type of peace than what the world gives. The world gives a type of peace, a false peace, but my peace is not like that. So what we want to do at the beginning of this series is, is at, with this first message, I want to compare and contrast. I want to compare the peace that comes from God, peace with God, versus the false peace of the world. You know, there is a peace that the world tries to offer people, but it is a false peace. The peace that comes from God, from being at peace with God, is an eternal peace. And so we want to compare the peace that comes from Jesus versus the peace That the world offers. So the first thing that we want to look at this morning. And we're going to go from. from, We're going to look at at worldly peace. And then we're going to look at God's peace. So the first thing is this. Is that worldly peace is incomplete and temporary. Worldly peace is incomplete and temporary. The peace the world is after is only temporary. The world can only offer momentary tranquility. Through earthly experiences. People will run to relationships, to careers, to money, possessions, hobbies, and pleasures. Seeking to find peace and rest and happiness. And so the peace that the world offers, it's, it's based upon an experience. It based, it's based upon a temporary moment. And they say that if you want peace and tranquility, experience this. Run to this. Try this. Pursue this. Have this type of career. Make this amount of money. Have this type of possession. Be in this type of relationship. If you will pursue those things, then the end of that will be peace in your, in your experiences. The peace the world offers is centered around what you experience and what you feel in this life. But it's temporary. It's here one day and it's gone the next. When the relationship that you sought to find peace in is done, where's your peace? When the money that you thought you needed to make to be fulfilled and to be at peace about your future, when the stock market crashes and your 401k is cut in half, where is your peace? When, when your possessions, you thought they were going to fulfill you and give you peace in this life and, 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 and by having them, you thought it was going to make you complete. Whenever you look at those possessions and you realize that it's just stuff. It's just stuff. 
that somebody's going to take one day. It's just stuff that's going to get wet and collect rust and decay. When you look at it, where's your peace? Where did it go? That's the world's kind of peace. Isaiah 48, 22 talks about peace that the world has to offer. It says this, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There's no peace for the wicked. It's none. It's temporary. It's not lasting. It's not true peace. It's inadequate. Jeremiah 6, the Lord rebukes false prophets of the nation of Israel because these prophets were claiming to be spokesmen from God. They were claiming to speak from God, but they were false and they were leading God's people astray and they were telling them this is the way of peace. This is the way of truth. This is the way that you should walk to find peace and happiness. And look what the Lord tells them in Jeremiah six fourteen. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, when there is no peace. Jesus talked about peace in Luke 19. Jesus tells the leaders of the Jews in Jerusalem that they had missed the mark. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they believed that by keeping the religious traditions, they took the law and they created religious traditions and customs that they would follow. They blew up the law and made it into something it was not designed to be. They made their own customs and traditions, and they believed by keeping those that they would be right with God. They would be at peace with God. They looked to their traditions and to their customs and to their rituals and their rules and their regulations looking for peace. And Jesus addresses them in Luke 19, verses 41 and 42. He says this, And when he drew near and saw the city, the city of of Jerusalem, and, and when he's speaking to the city of Jerusalem, he's speaking to the religious system of the Jews. He says, he wept over it. He wept, Jesus wept over it. This is what he said. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. He's telling the Jews, he's telling the religious leaders of the Jews, would you have known? I wanted you to know I am the way of peace. I am the only one that is the source of true peace. And you've been pursuing peace the wrong way you've been going after peace the wrong way would that you have known and he's weeping over Jerusalem he's weeping over Jerusalem would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes they're hidden from your eyes Jesus continues if you look in Matthew 23 here's another description of the heart of Jesus towards the nation of Israel, towards the religious leaders that had missed the point of God's word and were looking for peace in ways that peace could not be found. Listen to the heart of Jesus here. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Listen to the picture here. Jesus is is saying that I wanted to gather you to myself. I am the source of peace. If you wanted peace in this life, you needed to come to me to find ultimate peace. And I wanted to gather you under my wings like a, like a hen gathers her chicks. And when a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, what is that? It's a picture of peace and protection and safety. And this is what Jesus is saying. I wanted to do that for you. But what did it say here? What did he say? But you were not willing. 
And there's so many people in this life that are not willing to have the peace of God because the peace of God is going to cost them something. They want to pursue the peace that the world has to offer because the peace that the world has to offer is connected with temporary things. And their, their idolatrous heart wants to pursue the love of temporary things. You are not willing and listen to the tragedy. See, your house is left to you desolate. You're the end of pursuing, trying to find peace outside of God's ways is desolation, is emptiness, incompleteness. The world, the world's view of peace is emptiness. It's incomplete, it's temporary. It's temporary. Romans chapter 3 tells us that the world does not know the pathway of peace. Romans 3, 14 through 17, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. It is impossible, hear me, it is impossible for the world to find true peace within themselves. Or from outside temporary sources. And those are the places people run. They look inside to try to find peace or they look outside to try to find peace from outside sources other than God. It's impossible. The truth is to experience peace in this life, we must first be at peace with God. We must first be at peace with God. You cannot have peace in this life. Uh, A sense of feeling of peace. And satisfaction in this life. Unless you are first at peace with God. Peace from God in our everyday life. Is founded upon being in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. That is the way to have peace in this life. Is to be at peace with God. The biggest problem with the false peace of the world. Is that it ignores the most important realities of life. That's the biggest problem with the false peace the world offers is that it ignores the biggest realities of this life. And that leads us to the second point here about worldly peace. Number two, worldly peace ignores eternal realities. Those are the most important realities, eternal realities, eternal realities. Any kind, hear me. Any kind of temporary feeling of tranquility or pleasure that disguises itself as true peace. Any kind of temporary, temporary feeling of tranquility or pleasure that disguises itself as true peace ignores the fearful reality of a life separated from God for eternity. Did you hear that? Any momentary pursuit of peace that ignores the eternal reality that apart from, relationship, apart from a relationship with Christ, you are separated from him for eternity. Any kind of temporary feeling of, of, of that that ignores that, in that light, that type of peace, that false peace, is just a distraction from what matters most. It's not just a, excuse me, it's not just a distraction from what matters most, but is actually a tool of Satan to keep people from recognizing the reality of their true condition. Did you hear that? Let's read it again. In that light, false peace is not just a distraction from what matters most, but is actually a tool of Satan to keep people from recognizing the reality of their true condition. That's the truth. That is the truth. And what is the true condition of man? 
What is the true condition of humanity apart from Christ? The true condition of humanity apart from Christ we see in Romans 3, 9 through 12. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. That means everybody is under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. None of us. None of us apart from Christ can stand in our own righteousness and look at God and say, God, I can be right before you because I lived right. I obeyed all the rules. I went to church and and it's my righteousness. No, scripture tells us in Romans 3, none is righteous. Not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. No one does good, not even on Romans, Romans 3.23 continues on and says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And what does that mean to fall short of the glory of God? It means that God has a perfect standard of righteousness. And he says that, that everyone that doesn't meet up to that standard of perfect righteousness, you fall short of my standard and you cannot be in, right, you cannot be in relationship with me. You have to recognize that, that, that the distance and the gap between sinful humanity and holy God is a chasm that cannot be, that cannot be completed, cannot be scaled by our own strength. It is, it is impossible for a sinful human to get there on, on their own. For all have sinned. We all fall short. All of our attempts to reach a holy God, to be right with him in our own effort, falls short Every time. And this is the condition of sinful humanity. To fall short of the glory of God means that we have failed to meet the standard of righteousness required by God. The standard is perfection. Standard is perfection. You know, James chapter 4 gives us an even grimmer picture. So, none are righteous. No, not one. None desire to do good. Nobody. We're all sinful apart from Christ. And then Paul says in Romans, it says that we all fall short of the standard of perfection of God. Look at what James 4.4 says. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself a... I mean, this is, this is sobering. This is not just saying, hey, you missed the mark. You're, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're a bad person. It says that those that don't know Christ, it says here in James 4, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, whoever wishes to live life their own way, pursue peace outside of Christ, whoever wishes to, to not submit to God's ways and to follow the ways of the world, what does Scripture say? It says they are enemies of God. That's some bad news. You guys excited about the bad news? It's heavy, but that's the reality, that's the truth. And from that position, hear me, from that position, no one can find peace. They will run in circles looking for peace, searching after and following after temporary things, and they will end up empty every time. They have to address this issue, this issue of being an enemy of God, this issue of being not righteous, this issue of this this reality of falling short has to be met with has to be dealt with the good news however is that enemies of God can be reconciled 
to enjoy eternal peace with him through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That's why we're here on Sundays. It is, it is this reality. It's the good news of the gospel that, that the enemies of the cross, the enemies of God, those, those that have looked at God and looked at his ways and looked at his word and, and they snubbed their nose at him and they said, I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with you. Those type of people can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that leads us to our third reality. Our third reality, now we're going to transition to look at the peace of God. This is our third reality. Peace with God ends the hostility. Peace with God ends the hostility. Worldly peace presents a, fa- worldly peace presents a false reality. And the false reality that people are Our believing is that they can be at peace apart from a right relationship with God. But the reality is, is that they can't. But peace with God through a relationship with Jesus ends ends the hostility. Contrary to what the world tells you or false religious systems tell you, we cannot be made right with God or be at peace with God through self, effort, or good works. Being at peace with God does not come through trying hard to eliminate negativity or restraining your sinful desires. There's only one way, one means by which God has provided for sinful humanity to be reconciled to right relationship with him, to be at peace with him. Only one means. What does that mean? Faith is the means. It's faith. Faith is the means. And so the question is, is faith in what? Faith in whom? Who are you going to place your faith in? So many people, they place their faith in all the wrong things. And we've talked about it here here this morning. They place it in their good works. They place it in their ability to try to be right. They place their faith in their parents' faith. How many of you have known people that they, they place their faith in the fact that their parent was a Christian or their parent went to church and their faith is in their parents' faith, or their grandparents' faith, but they've never owned that faith. They've never made it a personal faith. Faith is the means, but faith in what? Faith in whom? Faith in our ability to be good? Faith in our ability to not be bad? Faith in the church? No, no, none of those things bring peace. None of those things end the hostility. It's faith that is the means, but it's faith in who or in whom. Romans 1, 16 through 17 tells us, For I am not ashamed of the, say it with me, gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is, what is? The gospel is the power of God for salvation, for reconciliation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, for in what? The gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the gospel is revealed. And through the gospel, righteousness comes by faith in the good news of the gospel. By faith. God gives us his righteousness. And you continue on in Romans, it's pinpointed where our faith goes. But now, this is in Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is the key. Faith is the means. But it's faith in 
Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the, of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation or a satisfaction by his blood to be received by faith. Faith is the means, faith in Christ. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. That somebody who is an enemy of God, someone who has rejected God and has pursued peace in this life through temporary circumstances, and they come to hear that they are enemies of God, that they, that they have been pursuing means of peace and righteousness that end in emptiness. When they come to that revelation and they see the provision that Christ has made and they put their faith in the work that Jesus has done on the cross, Scripture just told us in Romans, it says that through faith that the righteousness of God is revealed. What does that mean that the righteousness of God is revealed? What it means is, is that before Freddie, Brother Freddie was a Christian, before he placed his faith in Christ, he would only have his righteousness to stand in. So he would have to go before a holy God and say, here's my righteousness. I'm going to try to stand in it. But there's no one righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the the glory of God. So if Brother Freddie stands before a holy God in his righteousness and tries to say, based upon my righteousness, God, receive me. It doesn't work. It fails every time. But here's the beauty of the gospel. This is what makes it the most beautiful message, the greatest news on planet earth. The beauty of the gospel is that through faith in Jesus Christ, when Brother Freddie places his faith in Christ, not in his righteousness, but in Christ's righteousness and his ability to meet God's standard of perfection, when he places his faith in that work, God takes the very righteousness of Christ and imputes it, gives it to Brother Freddie. So now on that day, On the day of judgment, when Brother Freddie and all of us who have placed our faith in Christ, when we stand before God, God doesn't look at us and say, oh, man, you really kept it together. You've really done a good job. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You kept it together. You restrained your flesh really good. You did a really good job. No. No. He looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant, because he doesn't see your righteousness. He sees the very righteousness of Christ. We are clothed in his righteousness. So now the means of our justification, the means of being right with God is not our ability to try to keep our, ourselves from doing bad or not our ability to try to do good. The means of our righteousness is the very righteousness of Christ. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can clap for that. Not for me, but for, but for that. That's why it says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, made right. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, 
Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. And this is the power of the gospel. Those, those that are out in the world and they don't know Christ and they're looking for peace. They're looking for contentment and they're searching for things and, and they're searching in empty things. Just as Jesus cried out to the city of Jerusalem and to the religious leaders of the Jews, he's crying out to everyone that's pursuing things that don't bring peace. And he's saying, all that will call on me can be saved and can find peace. Peace from God must start with peace with God. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peace with God through the Lord Jesus ends the hostility that resulted from our rebellion against him. This is the peace that the world is looking for. It is a peace of the soul that seems to be continually out of their grasp. They're looking for that deep peace. They're looking for a peace that that they just can't put their mind around. They're looking, they're grasping, they're longing. And many of you are in that place. And until you put your faith in Jesus, you had no peace. But once you did, you had that soul-satisfying peace. It is a peace of the soul. This is why people chase after empty things, to try and find peace and fulfillment. But the truth is, is that peace with God, produces the peace of God. Peace with God produces the peace of God. And that's the premise of the whole series. Brother Freddie's going to talk about having the peace of God, what it looks like in our life, our everyday life as Christians, but nobody can have the peace of God until they are at peace with God. So if you're not a believer here this morning, I implore you, peace is here. It is available, the peace you've been looking for, the peace you've been longing for, that something has been gnawing out on the inside of you, that you've been looking for something, you, you, you know there's answers out there, the gospel is the answer. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be reconciled to a holy God and you can be at peace with him and then you can have his peace in your life. This leads us to a fourth, a fourth point here. Fourthly, a peaceful heart is bold as a, as a lion. A peaceful heart is bold as a lion. And what I want to do here is I want to talk to us as Christians here, here this morning as believers in Jesus Christ. You know, the majority of you here, you're at peace with God. You've made peace with God. You're at peace with You have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've settled the hostility. You have placed your faith in him for salvation, placed your faith in him alone for salvation, and you are at peace with him. But some of you, as believers, you don't have temporal peace. You, you, you live with the sense of, where's the peace? Where can I find peace? I, yes, I'm in right relationship with God, but the circumstances of my life, I feel like I just have no peace. I have no peace. And there's two areas in which, as we are concluding this message, two areas in which I want to show you that I believe are the reasons why believers lack peace in their life. Even though they are at peace with God and they're justified and, if, and when they die they're going to go to heaven. But in their life, they have no peace. Isaiah 26.3 gives us the first picture here. You keep him in perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This is the first reason why I believe a lot of believers don't have peace in their life. Because they will not take the remote control and they will not turn off Fox News or CNN 
or CNBC or whatever news station you watch, they won't turn it off. They just, they, they are consumed in their life with the things that are going on in this world. Look, I'm not advocating burying your head in the sand and don't watch the news and don't know what goes on. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there are some of you, you have a, a lack of peace and I don't doubt it. Because if you look around at this world, you're, you would believe that, hey, any second now, everything's going to implode. And it might. Jesus might come back and everything's going to change. He will come back and everything will change. But it might be tomorrow. It might be the next day. We're eagerly waiting. But some of you, some of you, you're consumed with the things of this world. And so when you try to find peace, you've got, you've got the news about this happening over here. And you've got the news about this happening over there. Then you've got family issues over here. Then you've got sicknesses going on over here. And your mind is not stayed on the Lord. Put that scripture back up for me. In Isaiah 26, you keep him, God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in you. He trusts in you. And, and that's why, look, I, I watch the news. I, I look at what's going on in this world. I try to pay attention, but I can't dwell there because it's going to cost me my peace. It's going to cost me my peace. I'll, I'll look, I'll pay attention, and then I just let it go. I say, God, I, I can't control that. I can't handle that. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in fear and worry about what, what's going on all around me. God, God, you are sovereignly in control. You have designed me to be on this planet, and you've given me X amount of years to live, so I have no reason to fear. My mind has stayed on you. It's stayed on your word. I'm trusting in you. You're not going to allow anything to come into my life that doesn't come through your hands. I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in your word. If everything else fails, fails in my life, my health fails, if my job is done, if the world is in chaos, God, I know that you are trustworthy, that you are good, that you are faithful, and I can count on you. My mind, our minds have to stay on God and on his faithfulness if we're going to have peace as believers. Don't let the world rob your peace. Some of you, you're watching things, you're listening to things, not just news, but things, shows, movies, information, entertainment. It's robbing you of your peace. And cut it out. Keep your mind stayed on the Lord, on the Lord, on who he is, his faithfulness, his goodness. This is one way that I believe Christians are robbed of their peace. Listen to Philippians 4. It connects what we think about with peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard. That word guard means will be an umpire. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is, in, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep our minds stayed on the Lord. Second area, second reason why I, I believe Christians lack peace. This is a little more personal here, but I believe Christians can lack peace because of a guilty conscience of a guilty conscience 
Some of you here this morning as believers, you're lacking the peace of God. But your lack of peace is connected with a guilty conscience. The Holy Spirit has been convicting you of areas of disobedience in your life. The disobedience in your life is causing you to shrink back from what God has called you to do. It is draining the peace of God in your life. A guilty conscience will do that in your life as a believer. Secret sin will leave you without peace, without rest and without joy. Confession is the pathway to freedom. Confess your sins to the Lord. And secondly, make things right with those you have hurt by your sinful choices. Secret sin will rob you of your peace. We've all experienced it. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. When we have, when we have tried to hide something in our life, tried to hide a disobedience, hide a sin, you have no peace. And why don't you have peace? Because the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of your heart. As a believer, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And when you walk in disobedience and sin, the Holy Spirit is faithful to convict you of the sin that's in your heart. And you've got to confess it. You've got to come clean. The, the peace of God is not worth exchanging for disobedience and sin. Peace of God is worth everything. You know, John in the Gospel of John talks about, in 1 John, talks about those who confess sin and those who do not confess sin. Talks about those who are believers and those who are not believers. He compares. I just want to read this. I want you to hear the heart of, of, what, of what John is saying here. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, with God, while we walk in darkness, this is speaking to the pattern of your life. If, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice, do not practice the truth. Now here's the contrast. But if we walk in the light, the pattern of our life as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin comparing and contrasting if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us by contrast those who are true believers we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness On the negative side, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Believers confess sin. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're hiding sin here this morning, it should be the natural flow of your life to come, to repent, to confess, to to, to come clean, to seek forgiveness from those that you've hurt, to seek forgiveness, to say, Lord, yes, it was me. Do you guys remember David? And Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. David is the king of Israel. And, and not only did he commit adultery, but he, he, had, he had Bathsheba's husband sent to the front lines. He orchestrated for him to be murdered at, in battle. And so the prophet Nathan comes to find David. David is guilty of adultery and guilty of orchestrating murder, guilty of murder. And the prophet Nathan comes and he tells his story to David. And he says that there's this guy and he's, he's extorted, he's, he's, brought extor- he's extorted some people and, and, and he's taken advantage of people. And, and David is, is righteously angry at this hypothetical person because they took advantage of people. And what did Nathan do? 
He said, you are the man. It's you. Listen to what David said. This should be the heart of us as believers whenever we have sinned against the Lord. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, listen, you delight in truth in the inner being, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Listen to this. He confessed. He acknowledged He recognized. He said, God, I did it. I'm the man. I'm guilty. Look at verse 13. Then, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. And that's what we see in Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous, those that have... That those that are clean, those that are right before the Lord and they have the peace of God in their life, the righteous are bold as a lion. Are bold as a lion. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? The peace of God. The peace of God. You know, I, I, I believe there are two categories of people here this morning. There are those here this morning, you, you're not at peace with God. You haven't ended the hostility the hostility between you and a holy God and you need to make things right this morning and there's some of you here the second group of people you're, you're believers in Jesus and you're, you are right with the Lord you're in relationship with him but you have disobedience and secret sin in your heart and you need to come clean before the Lord you need to acknowledge that sin and say like David cleanse me create in me a clean heart oh God you're in that position and you don't have the peace of God in your heart because there's something you've left undone. You need to confess and repent. Once you close your eyes here with me this morning. If that's you, in, in, in either, either of those categories, you're not in relationship with God, you've not made peace with God, or you're a believer here this morning, and you, and you need to confess and repent of areas in, of sin in your life. If that's you, nobody looking around. I, I just want to see your hand. I want to see your hand if that's you. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. The Lord sees. He sees your heart. He sees your heart. He sees your surrender. He sees your, your surrender this morning. I just want to pray for you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to end in prayer. And those of you here this morning that you want to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life or you want to pray because the Lord was convicting you of an area in your life when I'm done praying our, our, our pastors will be down front we want to talk to you and pray for you Lord I, 
I thank you for your peace. God, it is your peace that you offer us. I thank you that it is a peace that the world cannot offer. And God, I pray for all of those that are here this morning. They are not at peace with you. Lord, I pray that they would make peace with you this morning. That they would surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those here in this room. Lord, there are believers in you. But they have been hiding areas of sin in their life. Lord, I pray that they would come into the light. That they would confess. That they would repent. And that they would receive your peace. The peace of a clean conscience. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your peace surpasses all understanding and that it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people this morning. I thank you. I thank you for for your body, for your church. Lord, we thank you for, for everything that you're doing in our lives. Lord, we love you and we worship you this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.